Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the place to find a sports and pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe, every team, every topic, everywhere. I'm your host, Nara Wang, and in episode 87, my guest is the person I consider the medical expert for this show, the Associate Professor of Surgery in the Thoracic Surgery Branch of the National Cancer Institute at the National Institutes of Health, and former member of the Trojans water polo team, Dr. Seamus Carr. Seamus, usually it takes COVID-related news to bring you on, but this time there's another reason for having you on the Everything USC podcast which we will get to during the course of the show, and it's great to get to talk to you again. Well, it's great to be back, and uh, thank you very much for asking me. And, you know, I'm glad that we're not talking about more mask wearing, more vaccines, more this. But, you know, my public health notice is that everybody should get their flu vaccine and the updated COVID booster for this fall. And and, uh, there you go. I, I think I'm done talking about medicine, hopefully. If you enjoy listening to the show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more, or go to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, you can find me on X, or as I'm calling it, the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Dr. Carr, I know you're not a social media guy, but if they want to find out about what you're doing at the National Institutes of Health or what's going on in your world, anything you want to get out there, let the people know. You know, interesting. Yeah. So the National Institutes of Health, there's lots of stuff going on from a research standpoint and on a million different levels. And, you know, if you do have a a disease or something out there, cancer, uh, doesn't matter what type or some type of uh, rarer disease. You should probably go onto that website. Um, there's probably somebody who's actually doing very clinical research, uh, clinically based research, uh, trying to help treat or cure these very rare diseases. And uh, you may want to just take a look and see what there is to offer in Bethesda, Maryland. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Football is back. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From Week 1 all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. It was the first road trip of the season for USC against an outgunned opponent in Arizona State with a hyped-up matchup looming the following week against resurgent Colorado, so that always makes you wary for a trap game. But the hope was that having a bye week to prepare would ameliorate those concerns. However, 
The Sun Devils made it tough on the Trojans, keeping it close into the fourth quarter before USC was able to secure a 42-28 win to move to 4-0 on the season and pick up its second conference win. The offense rolling along as usual. They've gone over 500 yards in all four games this season, totaled 535 against the Sun Devils. Caleb Williams, and this is what's considered a eh game for Caleb Williams nowadays. 20 of 31, 322 yards, three TD passes, and two one-yard TD runs. He leads the nation in pass efficiency and yards per pass attempt. He's second with 15 touchdown passes. His big target on the night, Brendan Rice, seven catches, 133 yards, and two touchdowns. Marshawn Lloyd was doing it on the ground, 14 carries for 154 yards. Honestly, probably should have been running more with him and Austin Jones. Dennis Lynch, the kicker, came through with a career-long 53-yard field goal in the third quarter. The defense was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde situation. They had eight sacks, an interception, a fumble recovery, allowing 353 yards. Solomon Bird had the big strip sack in the third quarter that was recovered by Romello Height. That led to the second Williams-to-Rice TD connection. But the reason it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter was because Arizona State running back Cam Scadaboo had a 52-yard TD catch on a fourth and seven play with Trojans missing two wide-open field tackles that could have taken him down before he got to the end zone. USC was able to put the game away on the very next possession with Taj Washington's 45-yard TD catch. Eric Gentry led the Trojans on defense with nine tackles, one of them for loss. Kalen Bullock, the safety, seven tackles and an interception. The freshman, Tackett Curtis, seven tackles and two sacks and was named the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. Bird and Height had two sacks each. Jamil Muhammad and Bear Alexander had one apiece, but they allowed that ASU running back Scadaboo to run for 111 yards and a touchdown, and he also threw the ball for 42 yards. They only forced three punts by the Sun Devils all game. So this dropped the Trojans from fifth in both polls to eighth in the AP and sixth by the coaches. Do you feel, Dr. Carr, that USC deserved that drop after this performance in the desert? I think that, you know, there's a ton of undefeated teams still. Yeah, it wasn't maybe our, our best game, but you know, look, we're the Pac-12, and you know, you've said it on your show before, and you were saying it well before you ever had a show that you know the Pac-12 doesn't quite get the respect uh, we seem to be getting some more this year. But you know, I wouldn't read too much into the tea leaves right now. I, I think keep playing, keep winning. You get to the end of the season. If you won all your games, then that speaks for itself, and nobody will care that we won by one touchdown, two touchdowns, five touchdowns, or one point. So. You know, somebody in the SEC, I'm sure, will say something about that, but the rest of the country won't care. So you think maybe it's just that USC is a victim of the high expectations of what everyone is placing on them with a returning Heisman winner and the fact that the Pac-12 is better this year? Or is there any bit of worry that the Trojans aren't playing well enough right now when you see what Oregon is doing, when you see what Washington is doing, when you see what Utah is doing in order to reach the goals of winning a Pac-12 title and make it to the college football playoff? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, but look, every game's a different game. Every team has a different week. You know, Clemson goes and loses to FSU at Clemson last week, right? So 
you know, FSU's a good team this year. Clemson's got a doesn't seem to be as good as everybody thought they were, but you know, they're losing at Clemson. You know, so it was at Arizona State. It's a tough place to play. I've never been there, but I've heard it's incredibly loud. So I just say we've got a lot of expectations on our shoulders, but look, we did enough to win and sure, they dropped us a little bit in the polls, but I wouldn't read too much into it. To the credit of the Sun Devil fans, they packed the stadium, what used to be Sun Devil Stadium, now it's Mountain America Stadium, and they got a good crowd in there, and you got to hand it to head coach Kenny Dillingham, dialing up everything he could, throwing the kitchen sink at the Trojans, and the reason SC is still able to win is they're just more talented than the Sun Devils, and you can see that in what happened late in the game. So, again, USC continues to be undefeated and they continue to go through this gauntlet of their schedule which is only going to get harder as the season goes on this is the everything usc podcast i'm nara wang my guest this week a longtime friend and now an associate professor of surgery at the national cancer institute dr seamus carr former trojans walk-on water polo player as well if you enjoy listening to the show you can find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts or at our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network. For me, you can find me on X or Twitter or whatever you'd like to call it, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. And Dr. Carr, if the people want to find out what's going on with the National Institutes of Health, where can they go? Just NIH.gov, G-O-V, is a great resource, and it's got tons of information about Almost anything you can think of from a health standpoint. Hey, everyone. This is Chuck Arfine of NBC Sports Chicago, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. Now let's take a look at the upcoming game, the big matchup at Colorado. It's going to be the Fox Big Noon kickoff, so that means a 9 a.m. Pacific start for those of us here on the West Coast, broadcasted on Fox, of course, and the USC Trojan Radio Network flagship station KABC 790 AM. The Buffaloes are 3 and 1 this season, but they lost their first game in the Pac-12 against Oregon last week. They are of course coming off a 2022 season where they went 1 and 11, which led to the hiring of Deion Sanders and Coach Prime as he likes to be called came in and has stirred things up. He went 27 and 6 in his 3 seasons as the head coach of Jackson State. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. He's got a long list of accomplishments to back him up. But this is going to be history-making if he can pull it off here against USC because the Trojans lead the all-time series against Colorado 16 to nothing. the first meeting way back in 1927, although they only played five times before the Buffaloes joined the Pac-12. The last game was a 55-17 drubbing by USC last season at the Coliseum. The last game... In Boulder at Folsom Field was a rare win in 2021 by the Trojans, 37-14. And that game last week dropped the Buffaloes out of the rankings after they took a 42-6 beatdown at the hands of Oregon and Eugene after having started the season by beating TCU, Nebraska, and Colorado State. And talking about 2021, it was back in November of that year when Dr. Carr was last on the show following a USC-ASU game, coincidentally, to talk about COVID postponing the Trojans' next game against Cal. Now, 
as part of that podcast, like I was doing with all of my guests that season, I asked him who he wanted to see as the next head coach of USC, and he threw out the name of the then Jackson State head coach, Deion Sanders. Obviously, that didn't happen, and I think it turned out all right getting Lincoln Riley, but how do you feel now, Seamus, seeing what Coach Prime is doing for the University of Colorado? Well, I, look, I mean, obviously, there's a reason why I am not working in the athletic department at USC. And obviously, Lincoln Riley's been just an amazing hire for us at USC. But at the same time, I am super pumped and excited to see that, you know, Coach Prime is getting this opportunity, this this ability to jump up, play at the D1 level, and he's doing it. And not only that, but I mean, well, it was it 70, 80 people, I mean, turned over in the portal. And he's got people coming to Colorado and he's putting them on the map. And I mean, if anybody should be upset about getting dropped in the rankings, I think Colorado should. I mean, sure, they walked into Oregon and Oregon's a great team this year and they're going to be a tough out. But, you know, they beat TCU. They they had some wins. And let's face it, everybody's got a relatively weak strength of schedule at the beginning of the season. So did that one bad loss to Oregon cause them to have to drop all the way out of the top 25? I think that was probably maybe a little bit harsh. You know, maybe it could be at 25. But no, I, I'm excited, and I've got a really good friend here in Baltimore who's a University of Colorado graduate, and uh, he's pumped. And I'll say the thing that the two of us are most pumped about is that this game is not on at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for us here on the, uh, on the East Coast. And, you know, I get to get up and, you know, do some things and get, a, get to watch the game at a normal time, and I don't have to tape delay it or do something just to keep up with the football. Yeah, the next week's game is going to be back to that late start against Arizona. So you'll have to prepare yourself for that. But this one, you get big noon kickoff. Fox wants it. And again, you'll see more of that in the coming years in the Big Ten for sure. But just to your point, 87 newcomers to the program. Only nine scholarship players returned from last year's squad for Colorado. An unprecedented amount of turnover for a program. And let's talk about some of those players that were brought in. On offense, you've got the coach's son, the junior quarterback, Shadur Sanders, completing almost 77% of his passes so far this season for 1,410 yards, 11 touchdowns against just one interception. The problem is he's been sacked 22 times in four games, and they have to keep him upright if they want to have a chance against SC. The guys he's throwing it to, graduate transfer from South Florida, Xavier Weaver leads the team in receiving and receiving yards with 34 catches and 461 yards and has reached the end zone twice. Another receiver, junior wide receiver, Jimmy Horn Jr., another transfer from South Florida, 27 catches, 243 yards and two touchdowns for him. The freshman running back, Dylan Edwards, is the starter, 28 carries, 157 yards and a touchdown, but he's also helping out in the pass game with 17 catches. 169 yards, and three touchdown catches this season. He was a four-star recruit out of the state of Kansas who originally committed to Kansas State where his father played running back before committing to Notre Dame, before decommitting there and signing with Coach Prime in Colorado. So again, when everyone gets excited about kids committing to schools, until they sign on the dotted line, it means nothing. On the opposite side of the ball, another one of Deion Sanders' sons, the grad transfer safety, Shiloh Sanders, 26 tackles, an interception, and a forced fumble so far. He did leave the Oregon game with an injury. His status has not been reported yet. 
for the USC game, so we'll see if he gets to play. Shiloh played two seasons at South Carolina before transferring to go play the two seasons with his dad at Jackson State before now grad transferring to Colorado. The leading tackler on the team is a grad transfer, inside linebacker Jawan Mitchell, 28 tackles, 2.5 for loss. He started his college career playing at Butler Community College in Kansas as a freshman before two years at Texas, then two years at Tennessee, redshirting in his first season there after he got injured early in that season before now going to Boulder. And grad transfer outside linebacker Jordan Dominic played at Arkansas last season after spending the first four years of his career at Georgia Tech. He has 15 tackles and leads the team with five and a half of those tackles for loss and two sacks. So those are some of the key guys on the defensive side, on the special teams. We're not sure exactly how the kicking is going to be done because they started the season with sophomore kicker Jace Feely as the starter, son of the longtime NFL kicker Jay Feely. He went four of six on the season before getting benched after a miss against Colorado State, which brought in sophomore kicker Alejandro Mata, who transferred from Jackson State following his coach to Colorado, and he went two of two against Colorado State, and in the only attempt that he had against Oregon, his point after try was blocked, so we'll see if they stick with Mata for this week or if they go back to Feely, and of course, the one big name that isn't going to play in this game is maybe their best player, the sophomore wide receiver cornerback combo, Travis Hunter, one of those guys who came from Jackson State as well. 16 catches, 213 yards as a wide receiver, nine tackles, an interception, and two pass breakups as a cornerback this season. He suffered a lacerated liver due to a late hit by Colorado State safety Henry Blackburn and is expected to miss three games. He did send a text to his coach, Deion Sanders, this week asking to play versus USC, which the coach obviously shot down, but told the team about in a meeting to motivate them. So, Dr. Seamus Carr, before we get into what USC needs to do to get a win in Boulder, since I've actually got a doctor on the show this week, I would like to ask you, how serious an injury is a lacerated liver, and why would it be very bad to play before it's healed? Well, I mean, yeah, so uh, as as you were saying that, I was just like, oh boy, here we go. So uh, yeah, so from a trauma standpoint, we grade livers, lacerations on a scale from one to five. Five being the worst, one being the best. I, you know, obviously I don't know what grade his laceration is, you know, but if he's out for at least three weeks, it's probably a grade one, maybe grade two at the most. So it just needs time to kind of heal and, and get itself taken care of. You know, if he wasn't playing a contact sport, uh, if it's a grade one laceration, you probably can kind of be back to doing what you're doing full time within a week or two. Grade two, you're probably out three to four weeks. So there's the possibility also that it's a grade one and they're going to keep him out three weeks because even after it's started to heal for a couple of weeks, it's not fully healed. It's it's a solid about three to four weeks before a grade one is going to be 100% healed. And if you take a bad shot to the liver, you start internal bleeding. That That's not going to go so well. Something like that. And they got to stop the bleeding and it could be in an open operation and he's going to lose his season. So I'm sure, you know, Travis Hunter wants to play. And I'll admit I was, uh, after listening to the pre-ASU um, one where you guys were talking a little bit about Colorado looking ahead and your guest, who I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not going to even try it. Linebacker played for USC, played for the Seattle Seahawks. Lofa Tatupu. 
Lofa Tutupu. Yes, thank you. I didn't want to butcher his name. He was talking a lot about Travis Hunter. And so I kind of was like, wow, it's kind of looking forward to this guy. If he hears this podcast for some reason, just look, get better, heal up. You'll have another chance at us next year. I wish him the best in the recovery. And, and I, I can only imagine how much it sucks to be out for it. So, yeah, so that's that. I was looking forward to seeing him play, too. Obviously, you don't see a lot of two-way players. And if you do, it's normally limited on one side of the ball. But they were playing him almost the entire game on both sides of the ball, which, again, you would be hard-pressed to believe that he could keep up that pace. But who knows? And he is super talented. One of the guys who was a top recruit was supposed to go to Florida State. And then Deion Sanders poached him away from his alma mater to go to Jackson State. And now, of course, in Colorado with the rest of that group. But Colorado is last, dead last among the 130 FBS teams in rushing offense with only 55.8 yards on the ground a game. They've allowed 23 sacks total. One was on the backup quarterback. That's the second most in the FBS. The Buffalo's defense has allowed over 33 points a game over 475 yards a game, 206 and a half of those on the ground. So it seems simple to say that USC just has to pressure Shadur Sanders and stuff the run game on defense while continuing to do what they do on offense with maybe a bit more running instead of just getting Caleb Williams' numbers for another Heisman campaign. But is this team going to do what Oregon did and throttle Colorado from the very start of the game? Or is it going to be more like what happened in Tempe last week? Obviously, I'm hoping for uh, the more like Oregon and the less like Tempe. But I think USC is going to have come out of ASU. I think Lincoln Riley, Coach Riley is going to have kind of told the guys, look, this is legit. You guys are playing on national TV. The East Coast is going to be able to watch this game. Everybody's going to be watching this game. So let's show up. So I, I have a feeling, you know, the, the stadium will be rocking. It'll be a great time. But I see, I see a big win. And I, unfortunately, for Coach Prime and his team, I, I kind of see, I think he is quote in the paper was we got our butts kicked or we got a butt whooping or something so i unfortunately i think that's going to happen two weeks in a row to them all right let's get right to our predictions then to recap my predictions from last week with devil's digest publisher hode rabino he's the first guest to beat me this season so my record now is six two and two after hode went two oh and one against me the players that we believed in last week i took dorian singer only had one catch for 14 yards. Hode took Zachariah Branch, who had four catches, 68 yards, and a 17-yard run, so he took the win there. In the game score, I had USC covering the big 34.5-point spread with a 55-17 margin. Hode, being the ASU guy, said USC would win, but by less than the margin. He said 45-20, 42-28, so Hode got that one. And then in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter. I said USC would have at least three sacks. I was correct. A season high eight for the Trojans. And Hode Hedges said that ASU would get its first takeaway of the season with a fumble recovery. And he got it almost right away. It was the second possession of the game for USC when Marshawn Lloyd fumbled on a botched handoff from Caleb Williams that was recovered by Tate Romney. So we tied on the prop bet. So again, on the season, I'm 6-2-2. Two and two. And so we begin with the players we believe in for USC against Colorado. And once again, the caveat, Caleb Williams not eligible to be picked this season because he's just too good. He's the best player every week. So for me, I'm going to go to the defensive side this week. I go with Solomon Bird. I think he'll have a couple of sacks. 
cause some havoc, get into Shadur Sanders' face. So the player I believe in is Solomon Bird. Dr. Carr, who are you going with? I'm actually going to go with Brendan Rice, Jerry's son. You know, look, he transferred from Colorado to USC. So this is a little bit of a homecoming game for him where he initially started out. I think that you're right. I think that USC's run is going to kind of set up a great pass. Look, I, I can't fault Caleb Williams. The guy, the guy's awesome, right? But he's going to get his couple hundred yards no matter what happens, no matter how much we rush for. So my guess is we set up the run, get the run going. That sets up the pass. And then I'm going to see uh, Brendan Rice for, I think he's going to have a big game. All right. He is the leading touchdown catcher for SC this season, and he's got touchdown catches in five straight games dating back to the bowl game last season. So now the game score and winner. I'm going to let you go first, Seamus. And I should mention that our sponsor, Bet Online, currently has USC as a 21 and a half point favorite as we record this on a Thursday evening. So, Seamus, what do you think the score is going to be and who's winning? I feel good that I got to do one of these games as opposed to a harder game to pick. But I'm feeling good about USC. And I think we're going to take a look and we're going to take the lump from the press and the drop in the polls. We're going to have seen what Oregon did and we're going to put up even a better score than Oregon. We're going to win by more than Oregon. Wow. So you think we're going to beat that 42-6 score by Oregon. So what's the score? What do you got? I'm going to go... Let's go... 55-10. All right. So, Dr. Seamus Carr going with the 55-10 USC win. And 55 is what USC averages this season so far. I think it's going to be a little more difficult. I don't quite have the faith in our D to keep Colorado off the board. So, I think it's a little bit closer. I'm going 45-27 USC. So not covering the 21 and a half, still a comfortable 18 point win. But I think there's going to be some shootout action going on, at least in the first half of the game. So I think it's going to be a little tighter than that. And now the prop bet, Nara's no doubter for this week. I'm going to do a combined defensive stat for you. I say that USC will have a combined seven plus sacks and takeaways. So any combination of sacks and turnovers caused by the defense for USC, at least seven, and that is Nara's no-doubter. Seamus, what is your prop bet, and what are you calling it? Yeah, so obviously prop bet, I guess, you know, I guess I'd have to call it Seamus' sure thing. Uh, that's probably uh, the easiest way to go about it. So yeah, so um, then, no, I will go with that. We'll call it Seamus' sure thing. I'm actually going to go back to Brendan Rice. And I'm going to say he puts up three touchdowns. Wow. Three touchdowns for Brendan Rice in his return to Boulder. Yeah, I, I think, you know, comes back to Boulder. I, I think, you know, he's playing incredibly well. He's the go-to guy for getting the touchdowns. I see a big game out of him. All right. So to recap our predictions, the players we believe in, I'm going defensive side of things with Solomon Bird. Seamus is taking the wide receiver, son of the NFL Hall of Famer, Jerry Rice, Brendan Rice, to have a big game in our game score. I've got USC 45-27. Seamus has SC covering the 21.5 point spread with a big 55-10 victory. And in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter, USC will have a combined 7-plus sacks and takeaways, while Seamus's sure thing 
is that Brendan Rice gets on the board in a big way with three touchdowns. So we'll see how this goes. And again, I've been doing great so far this season for the most part. And we'll see if I can keep that up. This is, of course, the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest is an old friend of mine from back in my days going to USC, Dr. Seamus Carr, a former member of the Trojans water polo team and now an associate professor of surgery at the National Cancer Institute in Bethesda, Maryland. If you enjoy the show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your podcast, or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network. For my social media, I am at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports on X or Twitter or whatever you want to refer to it. And Dr. Carr, I know you're not on social media, but if they want to find out about the work you're doing, where can they go? Yeah, work I'm doing, that's in the thoracic surgery branch, uh, the National Cancer Institute, just easily Google it. But yeah, NIH.gov for uh, lots of really great information on lots of uh, very interesting things that uh, where we're pushing the edge on uh, the treatment and cure for multiple diseases. Hi, everybody. Pete Arbogast, the voice of the USC Trojans since 1989. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. And now in the final segment, as I've been doing with all my guests, I got to talk to Dr. Carr about his thoughts on all of this conference realignment that's happening. USC, UCLA made the decision last year to go to the Big Ten. They're now going to be joined by Oregon and Washington. The Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah, going to the Big 12. Cal and Stanford going to the ACC. Oregon State and Washington State left on an island right now. So first of all, how do you feel about USC joining the Big Ten? You might actually get to see them more with Maryland being in the conference. Yeah, from the standpoint of football, you know, that's exciting. You know, I mean, I think it is going to be kind of cool to see you know usc playing in all these kind of cool story big 10 stadiums uh excited for that you know i i do prefer you know having been an athlete at usc i you know i there's something to be said for kind of staying regionally though and while football's great and it's awesome um i really feel bad for the baseball team and the swim team you know the lacrosse team the women's lacrosse team at, you know, at USC. Now, the girls who are from Maryland are all going to be super pumped, you know, to come back and, you know, play against Maryland and, you know, play against Ohio State and the fans can go see them. But it's just going to be massive amounts of travel. And I just don't think the people who are doing this for all of the minor sports, the non-football sports, they're really not looking out, in my opinion, for a student athlete. I was a student athlete and you know, you had to be a student first and foremost. Um, so I just really feel bad the what it's going to do. I mean, cool opportunity, but, you know, flying back and forth across the country is going to get old really fast and, you know, take an extra time to get through classes and having more tutors. It's, I don't know, I, I wish football would have just do its own thing and, and that's great and great. You know, they go and do that, but all of the other sports, you know, volleyball, which, I mean, USC will be great. I mean, they'll be great in the Big Ten with volleyball. But all of these other sports, I just, it's just too much travel. I don't know. I don't like it. Not a fan of that part. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how they handle all of these so-called Olympic sports in terms of traveling and setting up schedules and all of that. But 
when you look at how good the Pac-12 football season is going so far, and yet it's basically down to a Pac-2, like, can you believe how badly the Pac-12 imploded? No, I, I, I actually don't. I can't believe it imploded as badly as it did. But look, it's money, right? Money talks and everybody walks, um, you know, and they walk to the money. So I totally get it. Like all of these, you know, ACC, Texas TV, Alabama TV, you know, uh, some TV show that I'm sure Nick Saban has. That's his own private one hour TV show every week. I've, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I never will watch it. But yeah. I mean, I understand what they're doing and, you know, doing this massive realignment and trying to, you know, leverage more money out of different TVs and advertisers and all that stuff. I get it. You know, so I, I'm not going to say no to that, but the rest of it, they're not looking out for, you know, the track team. They're not looking out for the volleyball team. They're not looking out for the swimmers and the water polo players and the tennis players and, and the baseball players, you know, but yeah, the Pac-12 just no idea what they were doing but but they just asleep at the wheel yep a demonstration of what bad leadership will do in any kind of capacity that is what the pac-12 is now dealing with as it's down to just oregon state and washington state committed for next season they're trying to figure out how to keep the conference going right now so i think i got your opinion that you don't necessarily think it's good for all of the other sports but do you think it's good for college football even you know um Yes and no, you know, and that's not a great answer, right? But yes and no. I mean, it's good that it'll increase, you know, some of these teams and maybe it'll start to answer questions because, look, we're never going to have some massive playoff system, you know, because it's football, right? They can only play one game a week, you know. They're not going to be like basketball playing two games a week or like NCAA March Madness where for the first couple of weeks it's two games a week and, and you're really kind of running. You, you need time to recover and heal from whatever the injury is, and even if it's not that severe, the kind of the beating you take from football, that's why it's not going to be that great. But the other side of it is it allows us to have these teams play against each other that we normally don't see. And maybe it starts to finally weed out all that, like, oh, they're the second place SEC team. Therefore, they automatically are the fourth best team in the country, which I mean, I'm sure the people and the fans who listen to your podcast will agree with but like there's no reason why we need the second place sec team always in or seemingly always in the football playoffs so maybe it'll force these people to kind of redecide how we're going to do it winning a conference title is going to be important or winning the division of a conference is important so maybe it will help finally give people this ability to finally have a you know a true national championship for whatever that means and with the expanded playoff coming next season that will also increase the opportunities for more teams throughout the country to get in and play for the national championship in football but one of the sports that will not be moving over is water polo the sport that you played back in the day at usc they're going to remain in the mountain pacific sports federation since the big 10 doesn't have enough teams to play water polo at the highest level so since I have a former member of the USC water polo team on in Dr. Seamus Carr, I think I need to talk about USC water polo a bit. So they are not, again, one of those teams that will be moving on to the Big Ten, but they are currently ranked third in the country with a 9-2 and overall record. The only losses coming against number one Cal and number two UCLA. Head coach Marco Pintaric 
in his fifth year at the helm. And the first is only the men's head coach with the women's team being taken over by Casey Moon, who is the associate head coach. And he is now going to be the head person in charge of the women's program after last season that decision was made. And the Trojans have finished second in the NCAA championship the last three years. Right now, they are led by driver Massimo Di Martire, leading the team with 22 goals. He led USC last season with 63 goals in his first season as a Trojan coming over from Italy. Two-meter man Max Miller is second with 21 goals, had 28 all of last season, so already three-quarters of the way to that total. The senior from Ladera Ranch is a fifth-generation Trojan, if you can believe that. The team has been alternating at goalie between redshirt sophomore Eric Hubner and redshirt freshman Bernardo Erzer for most of the season, so haven't quite settled on one yet in between the pipes. The NCAA tournament this year will be held at the Uitengsu Aquatic Center on the USC campus from December 1st through 3rd. So, Dr. Carr, can USC finally break the string of runner-up finishes and get its first NCAA title since 2018? Boy, I hope so. You know, Cal is a great team this year with Nicola Papadoulakis. I'm probably going to say that name wrong, and I apologize to him. But, I mean, this guy, he's a beast. I mean, like 6'5", 245 pounds. I mean, you know, plays on the Greek national team. This guy is, he's a water polo stud. Um, and, I mean, he single-handedly dragged, their Cal was down last year by, I think, three goals in the fourth quarter. And then he single-handedly just kind of went all universe on USC and dragged Cal back and then, you know, pulled it through and, you know, essentially won the game for them. Which, you know, heartbreak for USC. Um, they played so well. UCLA's got a great team this year. So I, I think we're right there. You know, there's still a lot of season to go. You know, we're not even into October yet. So there's a long way to go. And I think the team will continue to gel. We'll start to get a little bit more sorting out of, you know, maybe who's going to be the starting goalie. And I don't know. I, I, I think we'll be right there. I, are we going to pull it off this year? Boy, I hope so. But I think. Cal and UCLA are going to be two tough teams to beat. Yeah, it was heartbreaking last year losing in that final, and I know they came back motivated, started the season ranked second behind Cal, but like you said, the two UC schools looking really tough this season, and looking ahead to the rest of the schedule, you've got Pacific this weekend, and then on the road for Stanford, Cal, and UCLA, and then a break for the alumni games before closing out with Long Beach State, Stanford, and UCLA again going into the MPSF tournament that's going to be hosted up north by Cal and then the NCAA tournament on the campus of USC. So it would be a really big deal for USC to be able to get into that NCAA tournament at home and have the home pool advantage if they can do it. So what do you think, though, about splitting up the head coaching duties, do you think that's going to help out both programs by doing that so that one person isn't in charge of having to do both? Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. I mean, I've heard lots of great things about Casey Moon, you know, kind of through the grapevine from, you know, former players and, and my colleagues and people I've talked to who are still around the program a bit. So I'm really excited for him to show what he can do. 
And I think it's nice. You know, it allows Pinto to kind of really focus on the men's team, really work with that. You know, he'll still be around the women's team. He's not going to disappear. But I think it's I think it's good thing for the program. And I, I think it also gets to show what Casey's learned from him. And, you know, then we get to show how strong USC water polo really is. It's not just one head coach. You've got two super talented head coaches, one for the men's team, one for the women's team. So I think um, all good things, all good things. And finally, I'm going to ask the question. You don't have to answer it, but in previous years, you've been very vocal about predicting a USC national title. Seamus Carr, are you willing to go on the line and do it this year, or are we a wait and see? I think we're a wait and see this year. Last year, I was felt really good about the team. I thought they were coming, they played incredibly well. They had a lot of great wins over the course of the season. And I mean, I remember it in the fourth quarter at the watching the game last year, and I was like, oh, this is it. We've got it. And I was like, and then I was like, what? Is, uh, look, I've got, I support them 110%. You know, their games, I only get them. When occasionally uh, they show on like ESPN Plus, you know, so that's that's kind of how I get to watch water polo these days at the college level, at least, as opposed to my son, who's a freshman playing for his high school. He had seven goals today and a 10-6 win, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. He sets two meters. So I don't know. Maybe I don't, I don't think he's ever going to quite uh, be ready to play for USC. But, uh, you know, hey, a guy can dream. We'll see. Yeah, it's in the bloodlines, right? There I you mean, go. That's, that's pretty impressive, though. Seven goals for the young son of Dr. Seamus Carr. But hey, I'm always glad to get a chance to talk to you, one of the guys who helped indoctrinate me into the ways of being a Trojan when I first got to USC and was assigned a roommate by the name of Liam Carr, Dr. Seamus Carr's younger brother. So I really appreciate you coming on, and it's good to talk to you again about all things USC. Yeah, listen, thank you again for uh, having me, and um, at least I got to. I get to really show my lack of sports knowledge by going out on the limb and make sure that you probably get to go three and zero this week against your guest. But at least I get to do it against Colorado. And um, you know, again, I hope Coach Prime continues to do incredibly well. And and I really um, excited to see what he can do. But uh, I think Lincoln Riley's got USC totally dialed in, and I hope we get to keep him for a very very long time. That would be optimal for USC. So, for my guest, Dr. Seamus Carr, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 87 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere. And as always, I end every show by telling all of you to remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.